0: We're on our way. I wonder where Storytrain will lead us this time. We're entering the Rainbow Tunnel. Hold on, everyone. It's off to far, far away. This is so exciting. Just on the other side of the short rainbow tunnel lies our destination. That was quick. We're already at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I know this place. It's a wishing well. Today's story is about a young girl who learns an important lesson on Christmas Day. It's called, Toinette's Invisible Christmas. The winter sun was nearing the horizon's edge. Each moment, the tree shadows grew longer in the forest. It was Christmas Eve, or would be in half an hour, when the sun would be almost set. But it did not feel like Christmas, for the afternoon was mild-temperatured and sweet, and the wind was still as it moved about slowly, as though to imitate the vanished birds. Soft trills and whistles odd little shakes and twitters. It was astonishing what pretty noises the wind made. Young Toinette stood, pitcher in hand, beside a well. Wishing well, the people in the town called it, for they believed that if anyone standing there bowed to the east, repeated a certain rhyme and wished a wish, the wish would certainly come true. Unluckily, Nobody knew exactly what the rhyme was. Toinette did not know either. She was wishing that she did as she stood with her eyes fixed on the bubbling water. How nice it would be, Toynette thought, to be able to make a wish. What beautiful things would be hers if it were only to wish and to have. She would be beautiful, rich, good. Oh, so good. Her younger siblings at home would all love her dearly and never be disagreeable. Her mother would not have to work so hard and they would all go back to France, which her mother said was si belle. Oh dear, how nice it would be. Meantime, the sun sank lower and Toinette's mother was at home waiting for the water. But Toinette had quite forgotten about the time as she had been so busy dreaming. Suddenly, she started. A low sound of crying met Toynette's ear. It sounded like a tiny little moan. The sound seemed close by, but she saw nothing anywhere. Hastily, she filled her pitcher up with water and turned to go. But again, the sound came, an unmistakable sob. This time, it sounded like it was right under her feet. Toinette stopped short. What is the matter, she called out bravely. Is anybody there? And if there is someone there, why can't I see you? A third sob, and then all at once, down on the ground beside her, a tiny figure became visible, so small that Toinette had to kneel and stoop her head to see him clearly. The figure was that of an odd little man. He wore a bright green shirt and a cap with a long pointed feather. Two specks of tears stood on his little cheeks, and he fixed on Toinette a glance so sharp and so sad that it made her feel sorry and frightened and confused all at once. Why, how funny this is, she said, speaking to herself out loud. Not at all, replied the little man in a voice as dry and crisp as the chur of a grasshopper. Anything but funny. I wish you wouldn't use such words. It hurts my feelings, Toinette. Do you know my name, then? cried Toinette, astonished. That's strange. But what is the matter? Why are you crying so, little man? "'I'm not a little man. I'm an elf,' responded the dry voice. "'And I think you'd cry too if you were supposed to meet a friend for tea "'and instead found yourself spiked on a great bayonet "'so that you couldn't move an inch. Look!' He turned a little as he spoke, and Toinette saw a long, rose thorn sticking through the back of his green shirt. The little man could by no means reach the thorn, and so it held him imprisoned in place.' that all? A thorn? I'll just take it out for you, Toinette said. Be careful, oh be careful, entreated the little man. This is my new shirt, you know, my Christmas suit, and it's got to last a whole year. If there is a hole in it, my friend Peace God will tickle me and then Bean Blossom will tease me and I will be so terribly embarrassed. He stamped with vexation at the thought. Now, you mustn't do that silly stamping, said Toynette in a motherly tone, or else you'll tear it yourself, you know. She broke off the thorn as she spoke and gently, ever so gently, drew it out. The elf anxiously examined his outfit. Only a tiny puncture was visible and his face brightened. You're a kind child, he said. I'll do as much for you some day, perhaps. "'I would have come before if I'd seen you,' remarked Toinette, "'But I didn't see you a bit.' "'No, because I had my cap on,' said the elf. "'He placed it on his head, and hey, presto, suddenly nobody was there, "'only a voice which laughed and said, "'Well, don't stare so. Lay your finger on me now, Toinette. "'Oh,' said Toinette with a gasp as she did so, "'and felt the little elf beneath her fingertips.' How wonderful! What fun it must be to have a cap that makes you invisible! The children wouldn't see me at home if I had a cap like that. I would sneak into my little brother's and little sister's rooms and surprise them. They would go on talking and never guess that I was there. I should so like it. Do elves ever lend their caps to anybody? I wish you'd lend me yours. It must be so nice to be invisible. Ho, cried the elf, appearing suddenly again. Lend my cap indeed. Why, it wouldn't stay on the very tip of your ear, it's so small. As for nice, that depends. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. No, the only way for big people like you to be invisible is to gather the fern seed and put it in their shoes. Gather it? Where? I've never seen any fern seed lying about, said Toinette, starting around her. Of course not. We elves take care of that, replied the little man. Nobody finds the fern seed but ourselves. I'll tell you what, though, you were such a nice child to take out the thorn so cleverly, but I'll give you a little of the seed. Then you can try the fun of being invisible to your heart's content. Will you really? How delightful! May I have it now? Ha! Do you think I carry my pocket stuffed with it, said the elf? Not at all. Go home, Toynette. Say not a word to anyone, but leave your bedroom window open tonight, and you'll see what you'll see. He laid his finger on his nose as he spoke, gave a jump like a grasshopper, clapping on his cap as he went, and poof, vanished. Toinette lingered a moment in hopes that he might come back then took her pitcher and hurried home with the water. The woods were very dusky by this time, but she was so excited from her strange adventure that Toinette didn't feel afraid in the least. You've been out for such a long while exclaimed her mother when Toinette finally did arrive home. You must make better speed next time my child, it's far too late for you to be out alone. Toinette pouted, as she was apt to do when scolded. The younger children clamored to know what had kept her, and she spoke pettishly and crossly, so that they too became cross, and presently went into the outer kitchen to play by themselves. It made Toinette angry and unhappy at times, when the younger children went off to play without her, but she did not realize that it was in great part her own fault and so she did not do anything to mend the situation with her younger brothers and sisters. "'Tell me a story,' said baby Jean, creeping to Toynette's knee a little later. But Toynette's head was full of the elf. She had no time to spare for little Jean. "'Oh no, not tonight,' she replied. "'Ask mother to tell you one, Jean.' "'Mother's busy,' said Jean wistfully. Toinette took no notice, and the little one crept away sadly. Bedtime at last! Toinette left her window open slightly and laid a long time waiting and watching. Then, finally, she couldn't keep her eyes open any longer and fell asleep. A few hours later, Toinette woke up in the darkness of her room with a start and sat up quickly in bed. Behold, on the blanket stood her elf friend, with a long train of other elves beside him, all clad in green shirts and wearing little pointed caps with feathers. More were coming in at the window. Outside, a few were drifting about in the moonlight, which shone upon their little elf bodies until they glittered like fireflies. The odd thing was that though the Caps of Invisibility were on all of the Elves, Toynette could still see them distinctly, and this surprised her very much. She laughed a bit at this and said aloud, how funny. You mean about the Caps, replied her special Elf friend. Yes, you can see us tonight, Caps and all. Spells lose their magic on Christmas Eve always. Toynette's elf friend turned to another elf and asked, Peace God, where's the box? Then, turning back to Toinette, he asked, Do you still wish to try the experiment of being invisible? Oh, yes, indeed I do! Toinette was ever so excited! Very well, so let it be. As he spoke, he beckoned, and two elves, puffing and panting like little men with a heavy load, dragged forward a droll little box about the size of a pumpkin seed. One of them lifted the cover. Toinette's friend dipped his fingers into the box, which was full of fine brown seeds, and shook a handful into each of Toinette's shoes. Now you have your wish, he told her, and can go about and do what you like without anyone seeing. But the charm will end at sunset, so make the most of it while you can today. And if you want to end it sooner, shake the seeds from the shoes and everything will go back to normal. Oh, I won't want to, protested Toynette. I'm sure I won't. Goodbye, said her elf friend with a mocking little laugh. "'Goodbye, and thank you ever so much,' replied Toynette. "'Goodbye, goodbye,' replied the other elves in shrill chorus. They clustered together as if in consultation, then straight out of the window they flew like a swarm of gauzy-winged bees and melted into the moonlight. Toynette jumped up and ran to watch them, but the little elves were gone. Not a trace of them was to be seen.' So she shut the window and went back to bed full of amazed and excited thoughts about the day to come. Toinette woke up on Christmas morning and put on her best dress for she thought that her mother might take her and the other children across the wood to the little chapel for the Christmas service. Her long hair smoothed and tied, her shoes trimly fastened, downstairs Toinette ran. Her mother was stirring porridge for breakfast. Toinette went up very close to her, but her mother did not move or turn her head. How late the children are! her mother exclaimed at last, having prepared their breakfast. Then she called up the stairs to the bedrooms. Mark, Jean, Pierre, Marie, breakfast is ready, my children. Hmm, where is Toinette? She is usually first down to breakfast. Toinette isn't upstairs, said Marie from above. Her door is wide open and she isn't there. That is strange, said her mother. I have been in here an hour and she has not passed this way since. She went to the outer door and called, Toinette! Toinette! passing close to Toinette as she did so and looking straight at her with unseeing eyes. Toinette, half frightened, half pleased, giggled to herself. She really was invisible then. How strange it seemed, and what fun this Christmas day was going to be. The children sat down to breakfast. Her mother distributed the porridge and gave each child a spoon, but she looked very anxious. Where can my Toinette have gone, she said to herself. Toinette was conscience-pricked. She was half-inclined to dispel the charm on the spot, but just then, she caught a whisper from Pierre to Mark, which so surprised her as to put the idea right out of her head. Huh, perhaps a wolf has eaten her up. This was what Pierre said, and Mark answered unfeelingly. If he has, I shall ask mother to let me have Toinette's room for my own. Poor Toinette! her cheeks burned and her eyes filled with tears at this. Didn't her brothers love her a bit then? Next she grew angry. What a bad little brother he was, she thought. The smoking porridge reminded her that she was hungry. So brushing away the tears, Toinette slipped a spoon off the table and whenever she found the chance, dipped it into the bowl for a mouthful. The porridge disappeared rapidly. I want some more, said Jean. Bless me, how fast you've eaten this morning, said her mother, turning the bowl. This made Toinette laugh, which shook her spoon, and a drop of the hot mixture fell right on the tip of her sister Marie's nose as she sat with upturned face waiting for her turn for a second helping. Marie gave a little scream. What is it? said the mother. Hot water right in my face, spluttered Marie. Water, cried Mark. It's porridge. You splattered with your spoon. Eat more carefully, my child, said the mother, and Toinette laughed again as she heard her. After all, there was some fun in being invisible. The morning went by. Constantly, the mother went to the door, and shading her eyes with her hand, looked out in hopes of seeing a little figure coming down the wood path, for she thought perhaps Toinette had gone to the spring for water and fallen asleep there. The other children played happily meanwhile. They were used to spending time without Toynette and did not seem to miss her, except that now and then Baby Jean said, poor Toynette gone, not here, all gone. Well, what if she has, said Mark at last, looking up from the wooden cup he was carving for Marie's doll. We can play all the better without her. Mark was a bold, outspoken boy. If she were here, he went on, she'd only scold us and interfere. Toynette almost always scolds. I like having her away. It is more fun without her, admitted Marie. Only I'd like her to be having a nice time somewhere else. Ugh, enough about Toynette, cried Pierre. Let's play grocery shopping. Toinette had never felt so unhappy in her life as when she stood there unseen and heard her siblings say these words. She had never meant to be unkind to her younger siblings, but she was quick-tempered, dreamy, and wrapped up in herself. She did not like being interrupted by them, and she spoke sharply and was often cross. She had taken it for granted that her brothers and sisters must love her by a sort of right, and the knowledge that they did not broke her heart. Creeping away, she hid herself in the woods. It was a sparkling Christmas day, but the sun did not look as bright as usual. Cuddled down under a rose bush, Toynette sat sobbing at the recollection of the speeches she had overheard. By and by, a little voice within her woke up and began to make itself audible. All of us know this little voice. We call it our conscience. Jean missed me, she thought. And oh dear, I pushed her away only last night and wouldn't tell her a story. And Marie hoped I was having a pleasant time somewhere. I wish I hadn't lost my temper with Marie last Friday. And I wish I hadn't thrown Mark's ball into the trash that day I was angry with him. How unkind he was to say that about me. But I wasn't always kind to him either. And I'm older and should know better. And once I said that I wished a bear would eat Pierre up. That was because he broke my cup. Oh dear, oh dear, what a naughty girl I've been to all of them. But you could be better and kinder if you tried, couldn't you? Said the inward voice. I think you could. And Toinette clasped her hands tight and said out loud, I could, oh yes, I could, yes, and I will. The first thing to be done was to get rid of the fern seed which was making her invisible. She untied her shoes and shook the fern seed out into the grass. It dropped and seemed to melt into the air, for it instantly vanished. A mischievous little laugh sounded close behind, and a green elf coat was momentarily visible under a nearby bush. But Toynette had had enough of the elves, and tying her shoes took the road toward home, running with all of her might. Where have you been all day, Toynette, cried the children. As breathless and panting, she flew in at the gate to her home. But Toynette could not speak. She made slowly for her mother, who stood in the doorway. She flung herself into her mother's arms and burst into a passion of tears. "Masharie, what is it? Where have you been, asked her mother. She lifted Toynette into her arms as she spoke and took her inside. The other children followed whispering and peeping, but the mother sent them away and sitting down by the fire with Toinette in her lap, she rocked and hushed and comforted, as though Toinette was once again a little baby. Gradually, the sobs stopped. For a while, Toinette lay quiet with her head on her mother's breast. Then she wiped her wet eyes, put her arms around her mother's neck, and told her everything that had happened from the very beginning. Her mother listened with alarm. Saints protect us, she muttered. Then feeling Toinette's hands and head, her mother said, You have a fever, my dear Toynette. I will make you a warm drink, my darling, and then you must go to bed and rest. Toynette protested, but in the end her worried mother had her way. Toinette went to bed, and perhaps it was the wisest thing because the warm drink threw her into a long, sound sleep, and when she woke, she was herself again, bright and well and hungry for dinner. Yes, she was herself again, but not quite the same toinette that she'd been before. Nobody changes from bad to better in a minute. It takes time for that, time and effort, and a long struggle with naughty habits and tempers. But there is sometimes a certain minute or day in which people begin to change, and that is how it was for Toynette. The elf's lesson was not lost upon her. She began to fight with herself, to watch her faults and try to conquer them. It was hard work. Often Toynette felt discouraged, but she kept on. Week after week and month after month, she grew less selfish, kinder and more patient than she used to be. When she failed and her old fractious temper got the better of her, Toinette was very sorry and begged everyone's forgiveness. Her mother began to think that the elves had really bewitched her child. As for the children, they learned to love Toinette as never before and came to her with all their pains and pleasures as children should to a kind older sister. Each fresh proof of this Every kiss from little Jean, every confidence from Mark, was a comfort to Toynette, for she never forgot being invisible on Christmas Day, and felt that no trouble was too much to wipe out that unhappy memory. I think they like me better than they did then, she would say to herself. But then the thought came... Perhaps if I were invisible again, if they did not know I was there, I might hear something to make me feel as badly as I did that Christmas morning. These sad thoughts were part of the bitter fruit of the elves' fern seed. So with doubts and fears, the year went by, and once again it was Christmas Eve. Toinette had been asleep some hours when she was roused by a sharp tapping at the windowpane. Startled and only half awake, she sat up in bed and saw by the moonlight a tiny figure outside, which she immediately recognized. It was her elf friend, drumming with his knuckles as hard as he could on her glass window. Let me in, cried the dry little voice. So Toynette opened the window and her elf friend flew in and perched as before on her blanket. Merry Christmas, Toynette, he said, and a happy new year when it comes. I've brought you a present. And dipping into a pouch tied around his waist, he pulled out a handful of something brown. Toinette knew what it was in a moment. Oh, no, she cried, shrinking back. Don't give me any fern seeds. They frighten me. I don't like them. Don't be silly, said the elf, his voice sounding kind this time and earnest. It wasn't pleasant for you being invisible last year but perhaps this Christmas it will be. Take my advice and try it. You won't be sorry. I won't, said Toinette brightening. Very well then, I will try invisibility once again. She leaned out of bed and watched the elf put the fine dust-like grains into each of her shoes. I'll drop in tomorrow night to see how it goes, he said. Then with a nod, he was gone. The old fear came back when Toinette woke in the morning and she tied on her shoes with a tremble in her heart. Downstairs she rushed. The first thing Toynette saw was a wooden ship standing on her breakfast plate. Mark had made the ship but Toynette had no idea it was for her. The little ones sat round the table with their eyes on the door watching till Toinette should come in and be surprised. I wish she'd hurry, said Pierre, drumming on his bowl with a spoon. We all want Toynette, don't we, said the mother, smiling as she poured the hot porridge. It will be fun to see her stare, declared Mark. Toinette is jolly when she stares. Her eyes look big and her cheeks grow pink. Our big sister Toynette is ever so pretty. She is ever so nice, too, said Pierre. She's the best to play with, he finished triumphantly. "'Oh, I wish my Toynette would come,' said Little Jean." Toynette waited no longer, but sped upstairs with glad tears in her eyes. Two minutes, and down she came again, visible this time. Her heart was light as a feather. "'Merry Christmas!' clamored the younger children. The ship was presented, and Toynette acted very surprised, and so the happy Christmas day began. That night, Toinette left the window open, and lay down in her clothes, for she felt, as her elf friend had been so kind, she ought to receive him politely. He came at midnight, and with him all the other little elves in their green shirts. Well, how was it? asked her special elf. Oh, I liked it this time, declared Toinette with shining eyes, and I thank you so very much. I'm glad you did, said the elf, and I'm glad you are thankful, for we want you to do something for us, Toinette. Well, what can it be, inquired Toinette, wondering. You must know, her elf said, that there is nothing in the whole world that we elves enjoy so much as a bowl of fernseed soup. But fernseed soup has to be cooked over a real fire, and we are too scared to go near fire, because our wings might get scorched so we hardly ever get to eat any fern seed soup. Now, Toinette, for Christmas, will you make us some? Indeed, I will, cried Toinette, only you must tell me how. It is very simple, said the elf named Peace God. Only seed and honeydew stirred from left to right with a spring of fennel. Here's the seed and the fennel, and here's the dew. Be sure and stir from the left. If you don't, it curdles and the flavor will be spoiled. Down into the kitchen they all went together, and Toinette, moving very softly, quickened the fire, set out the smallest bowl she could find, and spread the doll's table with the wooden saucers which Mark had made for Jean to play with. Then she mixed and stirred as the elves bade, and when the soup was done, she served it to them as their Christmas supper, smoking hot how they feasted. No bumblebee dipping into a flower cup has ever sipped and twinkled more happily than the little elves. When the last drop of the soup was eaten, the elves prepared to go. Each one kissed Toynette's hand and said a word of farewell. Toynette's special elf friend brushed his feathered cap over the doorpost as he passed. Be lucky, house, he said for you have received and entertained the luck-bringers. And be lucky, Toinette Good temper is good luck, and sweet words and kind looks and peace in the heart are the fairest of fortunes. See that you never lose them again, my friend. With this, he too kissed Toinette's hand, waved his feathered cap, and woo, they were all gone, while Toinette covering the fire with ashes and putting aside the little cups, stole up to her bed a very happy child. It's time for us to head back to Pflugerville. Here comes the Rainbow Tunnel. Come back and see me again. You never know where the story train will take us. If you like stories, search for Go Kid Go wherever you listen, and you'll find lots of adventures. See you next time.